Hallelujah. Boy, I appreciate the presence of God, the Spirit of God that's in this place. And, uh, you know, a good prayer. I started praying this prayer Monday and a good prayer to pray. I said, Lord, would you let the amens and the hallelujahs and the praise the Lord's, would you let them increase in our worship services? That's what I've been praying this week. And I'm going to keep on praying. And guess what? If you say amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know what you are? You're an answer to the prayer that's been prayed this week. Amen. I pray God fires everybody up in this church. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, I, I can't stand dead religion. Can I get an amen right there? I'm not talking about foolishness. And I'm not talking about faith. But I'm telling you just to be saved and be glad about it. Amen. God will do a whole lot for us if we just be glad we're saved. Amen. Just like he testified and just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalms 81, if you'll stand with us this morning, don't, be, don't worry about being in a hurry. We done got dinner ready for you. Amen. And so don't look at your watch this morning. Just listen to the Lord. I believe God is wanting to say something. And, uh, you know, I tried this week because I... A lot of times when I preach a sermon, if I don't finish, and there's a lot of sermons I don't finish, uh, I just go on to the next message. I feel like that maybe that's all God wanted me to say. Uh, seldom that I will come back to a message twice, especially uh, three times. And so the nature of this message is somewhat different this morning just because Sunday, last Sunday morning and Sunday night, I preached this thought. And really, it's positive when you think about uh, Psalms 81 and what God said to the nation of Israel is a positive thing. But before you can get to the promise and the positive thing, you got to deal with the neg negative things in our life. Amen. And so I preached the first point Sunday morning, the second point Sunday night, and I'm going to preach the third and last point uh, this morning. I feel like that'd be the direction that God would want us to go. Psalms 81 this morning and verse number 10. This is our theme verse for the year. The Bible says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And here's the phrase, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up to, unto their own hearts lust and they walked in their own, own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the presence of God in this place. Lord, I realize that as we stand here this morning, we stand desperately in need of your touch. God, that within us dwelleth no good thing. Lord, that all of our righteousness is filthy rags this morning. God, we have no power, no ability. Lord, I pray this morning that we would not see man, we would not see flesh this morning. But God, would you hide us behind the shadows of the cross this morning. I pray that we would see a thrice holy God, high and holy and lifted up before men. God, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified and be pleased with our worship this morning. Help us to dismiss every thought and every care of this world for these next few moments and may we set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. God, do for us this morning what we cannot do for ourselves. May we receive with meekness the engrafted word and may the Holy Spirit of God work in our hearts, in our lives, and in our homes this morning. To God be all the glory we ask and we pray. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I preached last Sunday morning and Sunday night on the thought of believing God for big things. And I want to preach on that same thought this morning. I do not want to recap 
uh, Psalms 81 this morning. If you uh, were not here, maybe you can listen to it on our podcast or you could uh, get the CD or something and listen to the message. But when we come to Psalms 81 this morning and we come to this text, God in verse number 10 has made a promise. And I want you to think about that promise this morning because it was a promise of his presence. He said, I am the Lord thy God. Amen. I want to say this morning, God is God and he's not just a God, he is the God, but more importantly, he is my God, amen? And I'm glad that I know this God. And he told Israel the same thing. He gave them a promise, and then that promise was the promise of his presence. And then there was a promise of the past, as he said to them that I brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Now, that was no small thing in the life of Israel that they would be brought out of the land of Egypt. If you go back and read the book of Exodus, you know the 10 plagues that came upon Israel or upon uh, uh, Egypt and the reason for that was that God was proving not just to the Egyptian who was in charge but he was proving to the Israelites that he was the God of all gods. Egypt had many false gods and so when Israel looked back in their past uh, they knew who God was. They knew the power of God. They knew what God could do. They remember standing on the brink of the Red Sea and seeing God roll back the waters and staying those waters as a wall and bringing them over on dry ground. Friend, they didn't walk through the mud. They didn't trample through uh, six inches of water. They kicked up dust as they crossed along there because God was proving to them that the God of yesterday is still the God of today. And so in this promise was a promise of their presence. It was a promise of the past. And then it was a promise of provision. As he said, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Amen. God said, if you'll believe it, I'll do it. Amen. God said, if you'll ask for it, I'll give it to you. God said, if you'll trust me, I'll take you on through. I'm telling you, that's the same God we serve this morning. If we'll trust the promises of God, if we'll believe God for bigger things, uh, what he did yesterday, he's still capable of doing today. There's no prayer, there's no heartache, and there's no problem to be that what God cannot solve it in this day and time. But we see not only the, the promise, but there is the problem, amen? And the problem is not with God, but notice in verse number 11, the promise is with his people. He said, but my people, amen? You see, the problem is uh, with the people of God. It's not with the promises of God, it's with the people of God. And can I stop and say this this morning? Do you know that every one of us uh, lives below our privileges many times uh, because of a failure to trust God, amen? A failure to put our faith uh, and our hope in God. Now the question was asked last Sunday morning, why would Israel with such a great God, with such a great promise, with such a great past, uh, with such a great provision, God said, if you'll believe me, I'll give it to you. But why would they not believe God? Why would they not step out and trust God for big things? Number one, because of their own stubbornness, amen? The Bible said in verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So because of their stubbornness, they would not believe God. Then in verse number 12, because of their sinfulness, they would not believe God. He said, so I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, amen, because they had things tucked away in their heart because sin was in their life, they would not believe the promises of God. Now hear me this morning. Whenever we allow stubbornness and sinfulness to rule our life, it robs us of the blessings 
that God intends for us. He said in verse number 14, I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with the honey out of the rock. Should I have satisfied thee? There's a lot of should haves in that verse, but it wasn't because of God. It was because of his people that what God said I should have done, I did not do because you would not trust me. Sinfulness, stubbornness. The final point this morning and I'm through as to why Israel would not believe God for bigger things. I want to really preach on verse 10 about believing God, but why would they not do that? Because of selfishness. The three things that hindered Israel from laying hold and claiming the promises that God so much desired to give them was their stubbornness, their sinfulness, and then their selfishness. You see, Israel wanted to do what Israel wanted to do. Israel had their own ways. They they wanted their will, not God's will. Their way, not God's way. It was their wants rather than what God wants. You know this morning that what God wanted for Israel was more and better than what Israel wanted for Israel? And do you know that what God wants for me and what God wants for you is better than what you and I want for ourselves? He knows what will make us happy. He knows what will make us satisfied. He knows what will make us blessed, but so many times, if we're not careful, we become so self-centered, we become so selfish within ourselves that we say, God, I'll handle things myself. God, I want to do things my way. Lord, it's what I want. It's what I desire. We don't surrender. We don't pray thy will be done. We pray my will be done. Friend, that'll get you in trouble every single time. The selfishness of the nation of Israel is a sure sign that they were backslid. When they had the promises of bigger things, they could not believe God because of selfishness. I want to say selfishness this morning is even seen in our day and time. We're living in a very selfish generation. And if you and I are not very careful, we'll get gobbled up in this generation. We'll take on their mentality. We'll start thinking like they think and act like they act. Some of the most selfish people I've ever met have metal men church, amen. Now I want to tell you where God, I believe, has taken this church in 2019. I believe we're going to see a harvest of souls. I believe that there's coming a time very soon when uh, the gospel is going to be preached a whole lot more and we're going to see people walk the aisles, but we cannot see people walk the aisles and get saved until we as the church get where we need to be at so that we can have the power of God. Amen? You can preach the gospel all day, but God will not put his stamp of approval on the church with power, even though it may be preached. I believe when God's people gets right, God starts moving in the church, uh, sinners may be here, but they're not gonna be convicted and drawn if we don't get where we need to be out this morning. Selfishness is seen in their words. When you think about the nation of Israel, they came to Samuel one day and they said, we want a king. And Samuel said, God is your king. 
They said, we want to be like the other nations and we want a king of our own. And what they were doing in essence, when they, uh, when they chose Saul as a king, they rejected God as their king, amen? They rejected God when they chose Saul. They rejected God's son when they said at Calvary or they said at Pilate's hall, let his blood be upon us and upon our people. They rejected God's son or God in 1 Samuel. They rejected Jesus Christ uh, in, in, the, in the gospels. Uh, and then when they stoned Stephen, they rejected the Holy Holy Spirit and God said to them why do you always resist the Holy Ghost you know what God did after that he turned Israel over he turned to the Gentiles God said you're done until the tribulation period's over with I'm telling you friend Israel was so stubborn they were so selfish it was their way or no way and it's seen in their very words a selfish person their own speech will betray them they will say things like this well I just had to have some me time I just had to do something that was for me. You know, that's a very selfish statement because life is not about me and life is not about you. Life is about serving God and serving others, amen? I understand everybody has to have a little time of rest. Uh, everybody has to have a little bit uh, of vacation time, uh, a little coming apart. I think the Bible teaches that. But I'm telling you something, friend, we're living in a generation that's all about themselves, amen? And you don't have to listen too long and you don't have to look too long until you hear a bunch of a babbling and a bunch of baby cries of people that it's all about themselves, amen. You've seen in their words. It can be seen in their worship, amen. Remember when Moses come off the mountain and what were they doing? They was, they was worshiping a false god, a false idol, a golden calf. Their worship was self-centered, amen. You know, that happens in church. If you're not real careful, a church service can, can, can become more about us than about him. Y'all still with me this morning, Amen. I'm telling you this morning, church should never be about us, amen? Church ought to be about Jesus, amen? You and I have to be careful. I've got to be careful preaching that it doesn't come about the preacher. You've got to be careful when you're testifying that it doesn't become about you. Uh, listen, uh, the singers have to be careful when they're singing that it's not a performance and that it's not about them. The choir, when they sing, I'm telling you on and on. You say, preacher, why would you preach that? Because it'll grieve the Holy Spirit. If church becomes about us uh, and we put the spotlight on ourselves, I'm telling you friend this flesh is so wicked we'd take the crown off our God's head at the very moment if we were to listen to the flesh but I'm telling you this morning if God's going to be praised if he's going to be magnified if he's going to be glorified it's going to have to be about him and not about us amen Friend, I'm telling you, selfishness will creep into worship. Selfishness will creep into their words. It crept into their walk, amen. They walk not in the ways of God. You know, there's an epidemic in our churches today. And it's an epidemic of people hearing preaching, but not listening to it. I'm shocked at people that will sit in church Sunday after Sunday and listen to the truth and then walk right out them doors and do exactly what you preached on Sunday. Now listen, don't die on me this morning. Stay with me, amen, or we'll preach till 2.30, amen. I'm telling you this morning, friend, is it not appalling 
the audacity and the brass of people that don't fear God, they don't fear God's man, they don't fear the church anymore. They'll sit under preaching, they'll nod their little Baptist head all day long and then walk right out there in the face of a thrice holy God and live as though they never heard what was said. You may be fooling yourself, but you're not fooling God, friend. There is a record that's being kept and everything that's been said and everything that's been done, one day it's gonna be rolled out for all to give an account before all. We will stand before God and we will give account for ourselves by ourselves. Amen. So this morning you can stop the finger pointing at whoever you may be laying the blame as to why you're doing and how you're living. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, friend, that's selfish. When you stand before God, we'll all answer for ourselves. You know, there's some things as a pastor I'm not giving in on. I don't care if it, I, listen, I want to have a house full, but I don't care if there ain't 10 of us left. They some, they just some, they just some areas of ground we're not giving up by the grace of God. Somebody say Amen. And I'm telling you, friend, I'm not giving it up because, listen, if I was going to ever even thought about it, I'd have gave it up when my kids was growing up. But I sure ain't going to raise my kids one way and preach to them all my life one way and then cow down and roll over and give in in the last days. Uh, when I get older one day, I'm telling you, friend, we're going to stand on the ground. We're going to stand where we once stood when we first started standing. We're not buckling. We're not giving in. So let them say what they want to say. Let them do what they want to do. But thank God I'll meet them at the judgment seat on the other side. When I stand before God one day, I want to have a clear conscience that by the grace of God, I did what I thought was right. I did what God said was right. It may not buy you popularity. It may not buy you a lot of fame. I'll tell you one thing. If I can hear him say, well done, if he'll just say, well done, it'll be worth every mile. It'll be worth every trial. It'll be worth every heartache. It'll be worth every battle to just stay with the stuff and do what's right. Hallelujah. We're living in a selfish generation. I want to preach a few moments tonight or this morning concerning this thought of selfishness. I want to say this morning that selfish people, number one, they're demanding. Hear me this morning. We're living in a time when people are more demanding than they've ever been. It's harder to work on the public job than it's ever been. It's harder to please society than it's ever been. Everybody wants a lawsuit for everything. Have you noticed that? I'm telling you, listen, if you go buy a Coca-Cola, you about got to sign your life away nowadays. Uh, because everybody, uh, you know what? Everybody's afraid of a lawsuit and everybody's trying to get rich off somebody else's expense. That's selfishness, amen? Everybody's running around, uh, and listen, in a tizzy. Everybody's running around, you know, in a pressure cooker today. Uh, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world uh, and people have got more demands on the work job and the workforce. Uh, it used to be a blessing to get up and go to work and punch a clock uh, and work and give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Now you've got to look over and they've got more laws than they've ever come out with because we're living in a law of society and we've got a bunch of intellectual idiots, amen, that's running this thing uh, uh, that, listen, they won't use their common sense for anything. I'm telling you, 95% of lawsuits ought to be thrown out of the court uh, because it ain't nothing but a get-rich-quick plan uh, for somebody that's too lazy to work uh, and somebody that's too lazy to make an honest day's living. They think everybody owes them something. They think everybody ought to give them something for nothing for it. Hey, I grew up in a generation if you don't work, you don't get. Amen. And if you can't afford it, you don't, you don't buy it. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, that's a society that is gone now, but we're living in a society that is so demanding. Amen. Can I tell you what's shocking this morning? 
It has crept into our churches. Do you know it's harder to pastor a Baptist church now than it's ever been? Now don't die on me when I say this. But I'm telling you, friend, I see a week in and week out pastors are to their wits in. Because you say, well, we got a good church. I understand that, but all it takes is one person to drive you up a wall. I'm not talking about just seeing a little old something. I'm talking about free. I listen, the average Baptist church nowadays, nowadays is nothing more than, a, than an overgrown daycare. Do you know that? With a bunch of baby Christians uh, that's got their lips stuck out every Sunday because things didn't go their way. They didn't get what they want. I'm here to tell you this morning, this ain't a daycare. Somebody say amen. We don't change diapers and we don't bull bottles. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, you gotta put your big boy britches on or big girl, uh, listen, dress on and come to the house of God and you've got to listen suck it up buttercup and realize this ain't about you and what you want and what I want it's about doing what God wants and what pleases God amen sometimes I know people's mad and I don't waste the time to figure out why can I be honest with you because if I think it's serious I want to know why but if I think it's some overgrown baby, amen, that's blowed up like a toad frog because something didn't go the way they think it ought to go, listen, I'm gonna go home and sleep. I'm gonna go home and sleep like a baby. I'm gonna go home and get the best night's sleep. If they wanna sit up and stew on it, I say let them stew like beef stew, amen? But friend, I'm telling you, we're living in a society where it's not gonna get easier to pastor a church. And I just realized this, some people need a shepherd for a pastor and some need a drill sergeant for a pastor. Amen. You can choose this morning if you want me to be your shepherd or be your drill sergeant. But have it your way, friend. I'm just simply telling you this. We're living in a selfish society and if preachers let demands listen, if they try to meet every demand, they would go absolutely stir crazy. I woke up one day and realized man, I'd have a heart attack and it just ain't worth it. Y'all still with me? Hey, we got a meal for you. We love you, okay? <laughs> but demand. See, say, preacher, is that, is that prominent in this church? No, and it's not going to be. See, I'm not the pastor to wait till something raises its head up and start dealing with it. Don't sit around and say, well, has preacher heard something? No, I haven't heard nothing, but I say, let's go ahead and do preventive maintenance. Amen. Let's preach on it now. Let's draw them lines in the sand now so that if somebody's thinking about it, they'll know not to do it. Amen. I'm telling you, say, why is that so important? Because you don't get anything by demanding it. Somebody say, amen. You don't walk in the doctor's office and start laying down demands. You listen, you don't walk in the, in the place you work and start laying down demands. Isn't that right? Listen, you don't go down to Walmart and put your fist on the, on the countertop and start laying down demands. Amen. So if you don't do it everywhere else, why in the name of God do people think they can come to church uh, and lay their fists down and start, listen, this ain't Burger King. Uh, you can't have everything your way. Uh, it might be Wendy's old-fashioned, amen, hot and juicy, uh, uh, but I'm telling you, it's not Burger King, friend, amen. It's not your way because it ain't my way. Brother, I'm telling you, if I know anything this morning, I know this, that I better do what God tells me to do. And if he don't tell me to do it, I'm not doing anything because I'll reap the consequences of it. I'm talking about selfish people are demanding. Selfish people, their drama. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about the piety of drama. Some people ought to go to Hollywood and work. They'd make great actors, amen. 
I'm telling you, listen, I'm talking about the pity of drama. Always feeling sorry for yourself. Now, I want to make one thing clear this morning. If you got a burden on your heart, you ought to tell the pastor and the pastor's wife. If you got a heartache, you ought to come to us and share it with us. We want to know because we want to pray for you. But I'm not talking about that. I don't have a problem if somebody's going through something and they stand up and ask the church to pray for them and say, would you pray for me? I think that's right. Can I get an amen? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that they live from one hill top of drama to another hilltop. I mean, listen, you could take their life uh, and you could make a soap opera out of it. You know why? Because they just go from one big uh, little something to one other little something. They can take a, and turn a mountain out of a molehill in a heartbeat. They're always uh, in some type of despair. They're always going through something, but when you boil it right down to it, what it really is, friend, it's a lot of immaturity. I'm just trying to help you grow up. Uh, if you're always sad and depressed and living in drama, you ought to count your blessings. You ought to thank God you're not in hell with your back broke. You ought to thank God you live in America. You ought to thank God you got a King James Bible. You ought to thank God you go to an old-fashioned Baptist church. But for heaven's sake, don't destroy your home. Don't depress your church by living in a world of drama all the time. Amen. You know, I've come to this conclusion. About every Baptist church has drama teams in it. Somebody said, you got a drama team down at your church? I said, yeah, but I'm trying to sell it down to nobody. So I heard more drama going on in the Baptist church than there it is down on Broadway. You know that? But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that live. You hear how quiet it is this morning? I'm gonna tell you why it's quiet. Because I'm plowing down somebody, two or three or four, ten people's roads this morning. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Get out of the drama business. Quit performing drama. You know how to do that? Start thanking God and do it in a happy form and a happy fashion. Be glad you've been blessed, amen. Don't put your whole life on social media. Somebody say amen. I tell you what's hit me. I thought I was just preaching in general, but after three services of preaching, I've come to the realization this ain't generalized preaching, Brother Laddie. I think that God is really trying to get the attention of some people this morning. Your pastor wants to help you this morning. I want you to understand this. If you don't understand anything else, you've got to let the drama go in your life. Now, people that are full of drama, it's a sad statement, but it's true. They just don't make it around here. Because this is not a church that has drama in it. I praise God for that. You know what people do in this church? They come to church, they worship, they love God, they love each other. And they do what they're supposed to. They go back home and they take care of their families and work their jobs. Is that not the way it's supposed to be? Brother, we're not supposed to be joined at the hip every single day. I like fellowship and I like functions, but we're not caravanning around this country together. Amen, y'all still with me? I'm talking about, friend, there's responsibilities in people's lives and, and you've got to live your life that way. I thank God that people don't get on social media and tell all in this church, at least I hope you don't. And if you do, you better stop this week, amen, because you grieve the Holy Spirit, you hinder your own life. Uh, and listen, if you get up and drink a cup of coffee, the world doesn't want to know about that, amen. I'm telling you, listen, if you get up and you got a fungus on your big toe, don't take a picture of it and tell the whole world about that. We don't want to see that disgusting thing. Uh, and listen, we can pray for you without you putting that out there. But isn't that the world we live in where everything's got to be publicized? Everything's got to be, the spotlight's got to be. We live in a world that's full of drama, friends. And I'm going to tell you what's most sad about it. These kids 
are growing up in it. And you think it's bad now? You think it's hard to pastor people now? You wait 10 years. You wait 15 years. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, we're living in a time when people are so full of drama that, listen, it has grieved God to the point that, listen, it's got to be about them or they're not happy. I'm telling you, friend, listen, I'd have never, I've never heard this, Brother Dave. I, if, I ha- if it has happened, please tell me. We'll stop it next week in the church bulletin. But I've never heard anybody in this church get, in a, get sideways because their birthday got left out of the bulletin or their anniversary did. Now, if they have, men, you need to have a conference after church. You don't have to give me their name. Well, yeah, give me their name, okay? We do want to know their name, don't we? But I'll tell you one thing, there'll be no birthdays, no anniversaries in the church bulletin if that's gonna mess somebody's day up. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, it's crazy, the world. You say, preacher, why would you preach on that? I wish I didn't have to. But you know what? We got so much drama in our churches nowadays. You preachers have to waste time, and that's what it is, preaching on things that we should have never had to preach on because we got people that's never got in the word of God and never grew up, amen. All these Betty Crockers and Martha Stewart's running around here nowadays. Amen. Dr. Fields and Oprah Winfrey's. I'm telling you, listen, I mean, it's a crisscross. You talk about psychological problems, friends. We're living in a world that's full of it. You know, I heard a statistic the other day that said when people go on a diet, they lose 20% of their friends. I second that motion, don't you? And they said the reason is because they, all they want to talk about is carbs and calories and, and all these things. I had a man tell me one day, he was on a diet. He said, you know, how many, you know how many calories is in that cheeseburger you're eating? I said, the same that was in it when you were eating it. Amen. I said, there's enough in it to make it taste good and that's all that matters to me right now. Amen. I'm telling you, it's amazing how when people start something, and I'm not against people that do that for a living, but hey, they'll even tell you that they've got common sense and how they present things. And that doesn't bother me. I appreciate people that are trying to help others live and lead a healthy life. I'm talking about these nimwits that start on January the 1st and go on some major crash diet and they lose five pounds and they think they're Richard Simmons, amen? And they want to run around and tell everybody else how to live their life. God, help if you think you're Richard Simmons, uh, you're in some real problems, amen. You got more problems than weight problems, I'll tell you that much. Uh, uh, but friend, I'm telling you this morning, that's the world we live in, amen. People think they achieve something and their head goes, Whoop. and all of a sudden, life comes about them. I'll tell you what Jesus said about it. He said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Telling you everybody don't have to know what's going on in our world. I want to say this, and the church the same way, I'm going to tell you there's things that I say and preach and things that goes on, and I'm not talking about bad things, but there are things that Bible, that's nobody else's business if they're not a member of this church. Same goes for me at another church, isn't that right? I'm talking about demanding People that are selfish are drama. People that are selfish are, de- are deceitful. You think about Saul. The first sin Saul committed was because that Saul ran ahead and did something that God told him not to do. The second sin that Saul committed was because he laid behind and didn't do what God told him to do. 
Saul sinned because Saul was a selfish individual. Saul was the type of person that he would do anything to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Do you think about it? Samuel comes in. Saul grabs his garment, rents his garment. Samuel turns and said, just as my garment's been rented, so has God rented the kingdom from you. Saul knew from that moment forward he was done, that God was through with him. But Saul was so selfish. Saul said, I don't care what God says. I don't care what happens. He said, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And I'm here to tell you, Saul went on and he stopped at nothing. And when David came on the scene, Saul so envied David. Saul was so jealous of David that you know what Saul was willing to do? Saul was willing to sacrifice his own daughters at the expense of killing David and getting to David. You know what selfish people will do? They'll stop at nobody, friend. Selfish people are not your friend. I don't care how much charisma they've got. I don't care how many nice things they pour out in your ear. That person at work that's always trying to, to butter you up and say things to you, they want something, friend. And when it comes, the time comes, uh, they'll make you their sacrificial lamb just like everybody else. Uh, I'm talking about selfish people. Listen, they are deceptive, amen. Even in our churches, we see that. I thought about this this morning. I've never, by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, I've never went behind my pastor's back. I remember, I was thinking about it this morning when my pastor said, don't do something, he never asked me twice. And I remember hearing people bellyache and grunt and grumble. I said, preacher, have you heard? I've heard nothing. But I think God's got me on something this morning. Well, I believe in, and, and I thought about that. I did what my pastor said because I had confidence in him. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, then you got a real problem this morning. You need to make a decision is what you need to do. Brother, we're not hearing that preached anymore. And I, by the grace of God, I'm going to hammer it till the cows come home. Amen and amen. And just nod your little Baptist head this morning. I'm telling you this morning, and I'm not preaching that. You know I'm not a Lord. I'm not going to do anything without, uh, without the proper, uh, proper procedures. And I'll tell you what's missing today is loyalty and standing with the man of God. But I've seen it too many. I've been to too many churches and seen it happen. Watched them be destroyed. Watched deception. I'm telling you, if you've got to sneak around or go behind the preacher's back, you need to get right with God this morning. You need to do something about that. You need to fix that problem. Don't you play the victim. Get right this morning. Saul was willing to do anything to get what Saul wanted. You know the problem with that is Saul never got what he wanted. And you'll never get what you want, friend, by sneaking around and doing things. Some husband sneaking behind his wife's back. I'm going to tell you something. Every wife ought to know the code to their husband's cell phone. And every husband ought to know the code to his wife's. And a surefire reason that there's a problem is when you go to grab hers or his phone and they go into panic mode, what that means is there's something in that phone that they don't want you to see. Is that right? Well, I'm telling you, all these hidden accounts and all these, th- these, all these things going on, I'm telling you, it's wrecking the homes of America. People's got too many secrets today. I think that, uh, I think I should never keep one thing from her. And she should never keep nothing from me. There's been times she may not have told me something because she didn't want to put the burden on me and she was praying. And I, and I think that's okay. And it's, 
a situation like that, and I appreciate that, amen? But she knew if the timing was right and the need needed to be uh, told, she would tell me those things. But there's no secrets going on here, amen? There's no hidden accounts. There's no, there's no hidden anything. I'm telling you, marriage ought to be as transparent as it can be because two flesh are becoming one. And if somebody says, when I don't tell your wife or don't tell your husband, there ought to be an alarm go off in your head, amen? Because I'm telling you, friend, uh, they ought to be nothing kept one from another, not living two lives, not going in two directions, but staying together, that is selfish, amen. I've never understood men that have said, well, you know, I just got to have some time away from her. I don't understand that. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when a man and woman gets married, he's to cleave to her and she's to cleave to him. Isn't it right this morning? Brother, I'm telling you, and I understand sometimes we have to, things happen and people are apart, but what I'm saying is I, don't want, I never want to be apart from my wife. I don't think she, I hope you don't want to be apart from me. <laughs> I know she don't. But I'm telling you this morning, I, we want to be together. We've been together all these years. I met her when I was 12 years old. I wasn't even saved. I sat on that pew. She came in, her and her mom and sister, and they got, they got up to sing. When I got up to sing, I still remember what she was wearing that day. She got up to sing, and I got real religious real fast. Y'all go ahead and hold on. It'll be okay. I'm going to tell you something. Like it or not like it, there's a providence of God in my life. And that's not for everybody. Somebody say amen. Miss Cape, you believe there's providence of God in your life? His providence, it don't make sense, but it's God's providence, what? It don't make sense in my life, but it was God's providence. I went home as a lost boy, laid in the bed, said, God, can I marry her? I want to marry her. I didn't even know what marriage was. But I'm going to tell you, here we are today. And I can say this this morning, that I love her as much today as I ever have. Amen. And I'll tell you, if you want your relationship to be right, walk with God. The closer you walk to God, the closer you'll walk with each other. I want to say this tonight, this morning, and I'm going to close here in just a moment, but I'll preach another point this morning. I think that I think that this morning that selfishness, selfish people are demanding their drama. They're, they are deceptive. And then I want to say this morning they're, they're drifting. You know what selfishness will do? It'll slowly but surely pull you away from God. You can put on a good show and you can sound real spiritual. You can preach behind the pulpit. And it'd be all about you. You can sing and it'd be all about you. And that pride will so blind you so you won't even realize it. You know who one of the most selfless people in all the Bible was? It was Jonathan. Because Jonathan was next to inherit the throne. And Jonathan stood with David. Jonathan said, I was supposed to be first, but I have no problem being last if God wants you to be first. There's a lot of people praising themselves, but they don't praise others. The Bible says, let another man praise thee. The Bible says, if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Some people, they're legends in their own mind. You know, I thought about my kids was growing up. I probably leaned too heavy on this. In fact, I know I did. There was a day when God reprimanded me for this. 
But I had seen pastors elevate their children when they were young so much that it, it damaged them. So on the other side of that, I would, me and my wife would remind them, now listen, you're just a sinner saved by grace. You're nobody special. You're nobody important. We're nobody important. Of course, I did have one. She went to school one day. It was kindergarten. And a boy was trying to smooch her. She picked up a piece of broken asphalt and threw it at him. Cracked him right in the head. Busted his head. Went to bleed and they brought, him in, or brought her into the uh, principal's office. I mean, second week of kindergarten. And they said, you can't do that. She said, but my daddy's a pastor. Well, she said, my daddy's the pastor. They said, your daddy's not the pastor of this church. I didn't know, Brother Laddie, whether to give her an A or an F for that. <laughs> One of them times I didn't whip her. I, I just had a discussion with her. I said, now listen, that's good you hit that boy in the head for kissing you, trying to kiss you. It's like God got a David sling. <laughs> Don't ever tell him I'm the pastor. <laughs> now give me a high five and sign my Bible. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. You know what? I remember one day the Holy Spirit said to me, said, hey, you put them on a back burner too much. Stop that. But I never wanted them to grow up thinking they were better than anybody. I wanted them to grow up realizing that God was all they needed and that God was really all they had in life. I'm going to tell you something. This pumping children's ego you can do this, you can do that, you can be whatever you want. I'm going to tell you, I'm against every single bit of that. Because that is not the principle found in the Word of God. Telling your kids, well, you can achieve this and you can achieve that. I'm going to tell you something, that's not right. I'm not talking about beating them down. I'm talking about, friend, you, what we're to teach our children is humility. Because humility teaches them to lean on God and not trust their flesh and themselves. And brother, I'm telling you, we got, we got a group of young people that has grown up today that, listen, they go, they finish high school, but they want a corporate job. And they ain't never got out and beat the bushes. They've been told all their life that, well, you're, you're, you're something great, you're something wonderful. I grew up in the generation where every child was guilty until proven innocent. Amen. But now it's the other way around. I was preaching this week. The church had a Christian school, so I took the liberty to preach a little bit about Christian schools. And I said to them this. Boy, it got quiet too, but it does not every church. It, it'll get quiet here. I said, you parents don't believe everything your children, don't believe anything your kids say. Amen. I said, you teach your kids, that's what I told this church, I said, you teach your kids the most important principle in life is this, that the authority that God's placed in their life at that time is always right. We know that authority is not always right, but they, they need to think that way. Because I've watched, I've watched down through the years, when you coddle your kids, you destroy them spiritually. But when you teach them, and you just stop it right there, you just say, now stop that. I don't believe that. And you shut that up, it's going to be fine. You just go on. You know what they do? They just go on. You know what you just did in their life? You just killed every bit of drama that was coming in their life. You helped them 
My daddy and mother was lost as lost could be. But I could come in. You know what my mom would say? She'd say, you stop that tattling or I'm going to wear you out. I'd be like, Mama, but you didn't hear it. She said, say one more word. Y'all remember? Anybody, was I born on an island by myself? I shut up. You know what stopped me from doing? Tattling. Amen. Amen and amen and amen, Brother Gravely. Because that's where we're at today. I'm talking about selfishness. Teach your children to do for others. Teach them they don't have to be first. They don't have to be the best. They don't have to have the best. Teach them it's all right to be second. Let's stand this morning. I ask you this morning, what's your life centered around? Who's it most about today? Is it about you? Is it about others? Or is it about Christ this morning? Christ never made his ministry, his life about himself. It was just about others. Helping others, meeting the needs of others. Jesus would do something often and he would say to them, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what I've done. Please, don't tell anybody. Christ died on the cross for crimes that he never had even committed. He died in the place of those that were guilty. This morning, as Brother David leads us in this song, you obey God today.